0: This morning, we're coming to the last chapter in the letter from James. It's chapter 5, and if you want to follow it in your Pew Bibles, it's on page 1216. And we start at verse 1. <clears throat> now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven, or by earth, or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and defective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, Remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Yeah, that would be good. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the time Debbie has spent preparing us. I pray that you were with her in her preparations and you would be with us now opening our hearts and minds to what it is you want us to hear amen amen thank you um, well i don't quite know how i've come to be standing here again um, but at least i think it's a little less scary than the first time that i did it um, although this is a very challenging piece of, of scripture that we have before us this morning is it not um, and as I said when I was leading the very first one on this series at 10.30, I led the, um, the one face it. Um, James doesn't pull any punches, does he? And um, this last chapter of James, as we've just heard, is full of hard-hitting truth and challenges. So today we're thinking about finish it, how we finish it, and... Um, using the analogy of running a race it's really important isn't it that we finish that race well that we cross the finish line having lived a life worthy of the hope that Jesus has set within us so I wonder what's important do you think when it comes to finishing well perhaps you would be more able to speak on that perhaps um, than me Um, How do we manage to stay the course as Christians? So I think what I would say first off about this topic, and indeed all of the ones that we've looked at as we've gone through James, is that first and foremost, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, don't we? The author and the perfecter of our faith. And beyond that, as we look at this passage, I think there are three Um, main themes that emerge that I'd like to um, look at briefly this morning. The first one is to remember that there is a day coming. The second is to develop patience and perseverance and the third is to involve God in everything. Okay, now I'm not going to say um, an awful lot about the first part of the passage, um, other than that the warning is stark, isn't it, to those who oppress and exploit the poor and the vulnerable. James is saying that we need to remember that there is a day coming when we will need to account for our actions, and when God is going to bring justice to the earth. God has heard the cries of the oppressed, and He will and He will act to end their oppression. And I guess this, as I read that, it's an encouragement, isn't it, that that day is coming? Um, but it's also um, a sobering challenge because in the past of the world that you and I live, there's so much wealth, isn't there? There's so much privilege. There's so much choice. And um, we need to be, I think, reflecting on the things we buy, the decisions we make, and the actions we take to ensure that we aren't the rich oppressors that James is talking about. And of course we've heard just this morning from Steve about the amazing work that street pastors are doing among vulnerable people in Shrewsbury. So I wonder how do we behave towards those who are vulnerable? Um, And if we have authority and influence over others, how do we treat them? Do we act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God in our workplaces, and in our families, and in our communities? We need to remember that there is a day coming. The second thing to notice, I think, is that patience and perseverance are part of our discipleship. They're part and parcel of it. They are not things um, that we can avoid. Um, and in fact we're not meant to. God wants us to develop these things because they refine our character don't they and they deepen our relationship with him. Now I think the perseverance that James is talking about here isn't just sort of grit your teeth, suck it up, hang on in there and wait for it all to be over. Um, Neither do I think that it's about sort of wearing your Christian smile through it all and pretending that it's all fine um, when actually it's really not like that at all. I think instead it's about being real about the stuff we're going through, but trying to hold it with a bit of distance so that we can get just enough perspective on it to see what God might be doing with us in it. Now... I wonder where your mind goes to when you're going through a tough time or when you hear of someone else who's going through something really difficult. Do you automatically think, as I often do, right God, either come in and fix it or get me or get them out of it? Um, I have got her permission to talk about this, but it's probably best that you don't um, go up to her and ask her about it when she arrives at church this morning, but um, Naomi's been going through a tough time this year at college and as her mum, immediately when I hear about the people she's with, the things she's hearing on a daily basis and how upset and lonely that can make her feel instinctively, I want to pray either God change it for her or find a way for us to get her out of there. But what if actually, in it and through it, God is teaching her and me, actually, to be patient and to trust him and to persevere? Can we actually develop patience and perseverance if we don't go through difficult stuff and if we don't have to wait? I'm really not sure that we can. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, says Isaiah. We want our strength renewed, but I think very often we don't really want to wait. I think we need to develop a theology of perseverance. Now, what does the Bible say about perseverance? It says in Hebrews 12, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And chapter 1 of James so says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Is that what I want for Naomi? Yes, it is. Now, as I was preparing this chapter, I looked up that um, verse in Hebrews 12, and my eyes then fell on Hebrews 11. And the title for that chapter is Faith in Action. So I thought, oh, that fits really well with James. I will read... Um, what that says. And each section of that chapter starts with by faith. And it talks about great people of faith like Abraham and Moses and people that we're all familiar with. But I noticed that at the very end of the chapter, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Wow. Wow. That's perseverance, isn't it? And that's faith. And maybe some of the things we pray for won't be fulfilled even in our lifetime, like they weren't for these people of faith, and yet they persevered. I wonder, will you, will I persevere like that? So sometimes I think perseverance is about hanging on in there. It's trusting God, holding on to his promises, and keeping on going one day, one hour, maybe it feels like even one minute at a time, remembering that there is a day coming. It's about holding frustration at bay long enough to allow God to work in us and to continue to trust in God's goodness through its all. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive tree fails and the crops produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour, says Habakkuk. Because I think if we don't get hold of and hold on to the yet I will in the situations we face we will very quickly become very disappointed and resentful towards God because he hasn't fixed us and he hasn't fixed the situation that we've been praying about. Now then, I wonder if you've ever been like me and prayed about something and then found that God has answered that prayer in an entirely different way from the way that you thought he should do you know what it's almost like he's God isn't it and that he knows and that he knows best it's incredible and um I've experienced that and I've experienced that with Naomi actually because he hasn't given her a way out he hasn't changed the situation he hasn't brought that friend along that I've been praying for and that others have been praying for too um he hasn't made it any easier for her at all um Probably the opposite, but what has happened is that there's been a shift in her, there's been a change in her. Her ability to cope with that situation, to persevere and not to be consumed by it. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And that's from Lamentations 3. And I've got that on my cupboard. Anne actually wrote it out for me at the start of the year and said, I think you need to have this. And so I read that every day. Um, and that is so true, isn't it? And there it is again. Um, therefore I will wait for him, therefore I will be patient. And I will persevere. And of course, the ultimate example of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he cried out to his Father, Is there any other way? Can you take this suffering away from me? And then perhaps the most amazing prayer ever prayed that changed the course of history But not my will be done, but yours. Wow, what it cost Jesus to pray that prayer. We will never know, will we? What it cost him. And I wonder, can I, can you dare to pray that prayer too for the things that we struggle with that cause us the deepest pain? So I wonder, what do we need to persevere in right now? Where is God saying to me? And where is God saying to you? Be patient. Stand firm and let perseverance finish its work. I'm just going to pause very briefly just so that we can take a moment perhaps to bring that before God, trusting in his promise that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So in the final part of this chapter, James calls us to pray with faith. And do you notice he tells us to involve God in everything? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise to God. And is anyone among you ill? Call the elders of the church to pray over them. So whatever season or circumstance we're in, let's invite God in. Let's involve him. In everything, Then we come on to the tricky bits about healing and I think we need to remember here um, that what we have before us isn't a simple equation. It isn't a case of prayer with faith equals healing. And I think um, many people have been hurt perhaps by um, those verses, these verses being told to them like that and, and I think that's um, very wrong and very sad. That sometimes happens Um, because I don't believe in a God who's there with his faithometer saying, no, not enough faith. Oh, almost got there, but not quite. Oh, dear, didn't quite use the right words or go to the right place. But maybe next time, maybe next time you'll get it right. Now, yes, I believe passionately in a God who heals. And I've seen people physically healed. And I, like you, have also seen many people who haven't been physically healed. In fact, I stand here today as someone who hasn't been healed from um, a condition that I've got. I've got dystonia. Um, it's a neurological condition that affects the muscles in my neck. So it wants to pull around to the left and tilt in all sorts of directions where I'd really sooner it didn't. It is literally a pain in the neck. Um, and I've been prayed for many times and I'm really open. Um, to being prayed for still and for God bringing that physical healing. Um, But I would much sooner, I would much sooner focus my attention on the healer rather than the healing. And the ultimate sign of God loving me and of him loving you and of him loving every person who ever has and ever will walk on this earth isn't him healing me or healing anybody else it's our salvation isn't it it's what Jesus did for me on the cross to bring me into right relationship with the father regardless of whether I experience physical healing in this life or not that demonstrates once and for all his amazing and relentless love for me I'm saved, I'm forgiven, and I am a daughter of the King. And of course, healing is so, so much wider than physical healing, isn't it? And these verses say that the prayer offered in faith will make them well or make them whole. And I'm well and I'm whole because of my salvation. As the song says, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, this isn't to deny the importance of physical healing and praying for that, or to say that when people aren't healed physically from things far worse than I have, um, that it isn't deeply, deeply painful. I can only imagine what that must be like. And we've seen amazing people of faith in this church die um, before they are old, and that is tragic, and it's awful, and our souls know it's not how it's meant to be and again we have to hold on believing that there is a day coming when there will be no more tears no more pain no more death and again we're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep aren't we but do you know that's something that i can't claim any credit for at all but something that i discovered at spring harvest when i heard this passage um preached on by someone who did a much better job than i'm doing This morning, but he said that the first time that God says, I am the God who heals you, comes in Exodus chapter 15. The the Israelites have been through the Red Sea and three days later they're in the desert and they're grumbling. And the only water to drink is Mara, which means bitter. And God instructs Moses to throw his stick into the water and it becomes good to drink. God makes The bitter water sweet. Then God says that if we follow him and keep his commands, he is the God who heals us. Do you see the connection? God is saying, the God who heals is saying that he is the God that makes the bitter things sweet. Now haven't we seen that in the two Helens? What bitter things they suffered But what sweetness and what beauty did we see in them? He is the God who makes bitter things sweet if we allow him to work through our suffering. And how powerfully did we see this in them? I don't know about you, but I've sort of observed that as people grow older, it tends to go one of two ways. And I see this in the counselling room a lot. Um, People either tend to be full of regrets and hard times have fostered bitterness and resentment or there's a growing sense of peace and fulfillment and suffering has produced a wisdom and a beauty that no younger person can match. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the years to come, says Proverbs 31. And there are women in this church who I can say that about and how I hope. That one day that might be just a little bit true of me. And of course, there are men, plenty of men, who have all those fine qualities too, um, as my husband pointed out when he read my talk. Yes. So, <laughs> so he's the, he is the God of instead. He gives us beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of of despair as it says in isaiah 61 and i can't tell you how important those insteads have been for me as i've worked stuff through relating to a really difficult um, relationship that i had with my mum james mentions forgiveness and confession here doesn't he and those are so important in god making the bitter things sweet and again they've been a big part of of my journey. Um, Recently I felt I needed to confess some destructive feelings that originated in my childhood and occasionally um, they rise to the surface and they have done as I say for really as long as I can remember. Um, And I felt that it was the right thing to actually tell somebody Um, about that somebody that I really trust and the power of doing that's been incredible and the hold of those things over me has been broken James says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed that you may find that wholeness and I think that's something we shy away from isn't it because it's difficult it's vulnerable Um, of course we can go directly to Jesus and Um, it's him that we need to confess to and he forgives us but we are called to stand with each other aren't we and to hold each other accountable um, and to um, be there for each other and there's something really powerful I think when to hear somebody else say do you know God forgives you for that especially when it's deep stuff that we struggle to sometimes forgive ourselves for and accept God's forgiveness for. So as well as being forgiven, we need to be people who forgive as well, don't we? Nelson Mandela said, Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Theologian Lewis Smead says, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner is you. To forgive is hard, isn't it? It takes time. It's not to forget the past or to deny the pain of it. But it releases us and it releases those who have hurt us and it allows God to begin to make the bitter things sweet. Time and time again, God makes the bitter things sweet if we work with Him and allow Him to do that. And I'm praying that with my dystonia too, that through it I won't become bitter or resentful because God hasn't healed me, but I will allow Him to make the bitter things in me sweet. I'm learning patience, I'm learning perseverance, and I'm trying to keep my eyes fixed firmly on Jesus through it all, trusting that there is a day coming. So shall we pray um, as I finish? Lord God, thank you that you are a God who makes the bitter things sweet, brings sweetness into the bitter places in us, we pray. Help us to lean into patience and perseverance, remembering that there is a day coming when your justice and mercy will reign on this earth forever. Lord, we believe that you are a God who heals. And Lord, we pray for that healing and wholeness for ourselves and for all those who need it. Lord, help us to be brave disciples who pray for your will to be done, not ours. And Lord, help us to finish the race well, keeping our eyes fixed on you so that one day we will hear you say those words we long to hear. Well done good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of your Lord.